That's big time. Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Oh, did he felt that one? Intensity is not a perfume. It was a no-doubter. Five, four, three, two, one. We are up in the bird's nest here in the warehouse at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. I'm Brendan Mortensen. He is Matt Bonaparte, who thought this morning that I would not start the show with the nonsense that we were talking about this morning and said, there's no shot you're doing that. And I said, well, Matt, we're going to. And so we need to start with about a 30-second tangent of of who we think the smartest insect is. And it's Barry B. Benson by a long you mean shot. of all time? Of all time, it's Barry B. Benson, and it's not close. Yeah, I, I mean, this isn't an argument. I think I agree. I don't even know who the other contenders are. Well, you first said any of the characters from A Bug's Life. Right. But I don't uh, know the characters from The exactly. Bug's Life, which so tells me really they're not as smart as Barry B. Benson. A no guess from you. Yeah. No other insects come to mind for me other than Barry B. Benson. I mean, I think he's your guy here. Uh, spoke to humans, started a relationship. Right. He's that guy. And he's also Jerry Seinfeld, and he loves right. jazz. Yeah. So loves jazz. Gotta go with him. Yeah. I mean, I think if you were starting a fantasy draft... Of smart insects? Of smart insects. It would just be one with the first pick because you get Barry B. Benson. two with the first pick, so... Well, right. (laughs) But you would win the draft with your first pick is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Whoever gets that number one overall pick just wins the fantasy draft right out. Gotcha. Yeah, I agree. Well, now that that's out of the way, we've got lots of Orioles baseball to talk about. Colton Kowser is here. We haven't talked about the Orioles' four all-star selections yet. We're going to make our final predictions for the number 17 overall pick in Sunday's MLB draft. Look at some mock drafts that we've seen, rumors that we're hearing, things that we have heard from Brad Selick, from other members of the organization. But, Matt, we have to start with Colton Kowser, who gets the promotion, makes his big league debut yesterday, and provides an immediate impact with an RBI single to get the Orioles on the board. He is able to get some playing time right now because Austin Hayes is dealing with an injury. The Orioles aren't going to rush him back. But Colton Kowser is here, provides an immediate spark. The guy's awesome. Yeah. He can hit lefties. He can hit righties. I believe the stat is that he hit 313 against lefties this year at Norfolk. 330 Um, overall. 330? Oh, overall. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, the guy, he's a hitter. He's a pro hitter. Uh, I think that he's perfect for this lineup. Another power hitter in the outfield. Another guy who's going to offer a clutch hit like he did last night against the Yankees. Um, Like you said, he's there because Austin Hayes is dealing with an injury. The Orioles are running into the issue that I think that, not really an issue, a good one to have, that they knew was going to come, which is you've got too many guys and not enough spots. Right. Um, So that's something they're going to have to deal with once everybody's healthy. I mean... A similar situation when Ryan Mountcastle comes back. Who do you leave off uh, the MLB roster when that guy comes back? Does he have a spot on the team to platoon at first with Ryan O'Hearn? Yeah. Uh, but Colton Kowser is that guy, and having him with Jordan Westberg up in the big leagues uh, is just so much fun. It's just a blast. Yeah. A, a few different points that you brought up there. I want to start with the roster move, which was made, which was that Ryan McKenna was optioned back down to AAA Norfolk, which is a bummer. Ryan McKenna has been a big part of this team for the last two years. He didn't really get everyday starts, wasn't getting super regular at-bats, 
but just gave Brandon Hyde in this team pretty much exactly what he needed to. He was about a league average hitter, had no PS, just over 700, was a quality defender in every single outfield spot. He may not have been an impact starter day in and day out, but he was great against lefties this season, really good defender, was able to fill in nicely defensively, Pretty much wherever you needed him, he was pretty often a defensive replacement late in games when the Orioles were trying to close things out. He could come in to right field for Anthony Santander. He was a really helpful piece when Cedric Mullins went down and you were figuring out what you were having in Aaron Hicks. So I know Ryan McKenna tended to get some flack from fans and things like that, but he was exactly what the Orioles needed out of a fourth, fifth outfielder. He did exactly what Brandon Hyde needed him to. He had a walk-off, too. Yeah, had some clutch. clutch hits this year. Yeah, uh, and the thing with McKenna was, like you mentioned, you knew what you were going to get from him. His floor as a player in the majors was pretty much set, uh, that he was going to play really good defense, and his bat wasn't going to be starter level, but like that walk-off homer, he'd come up clutch sometimes and give you that big hit. Right. Uh, so sad to see him go a little bit, but uh, I don't think he's going to be too offended when he sees that Colton Cowser's the guy taking his spot. Yeah, 14th great. 14th overall prospect in baseball. Great vibes guy, too, with Ryan McKenna, which True. not that it makes the world of difference in terms of, you know, you should keep a guy because everybody in the clubhouse really likes him, but Ryan McKenna was great in this clubhouse. He's a really fun guy, was always energetic in the dugout, and you are going to miss that. I mean, Colton Cowser, too, like you're replacing him with somebody who is also an excellent vibes guy. True. But Ryan McKenna, I don't think you can, you're not going to be able to quantify it on the field, but his impact in the locker room and the dugout is also going to be missed. I don't want to say he's the Orioles' Udonis Haslam, but if <laughs> you're anybody not, not going to say it. If anybody was, I'd probably, I'd probably point at Ryan McKenna. Yeah. So really fun overall now, looking at the Orioles lineup day in and day out, when you have Colton Kowser, Jordan Westberg, Gunnar Henderson, Adley Rutschman, that's a lot of fun, just given the fact that we have looked so closely at the minor leagues here over the last few seasons. We have analyzed this farm system up and down because you didn't really have the winning at the big league level. The minor leagues were the place where you could look to and get really, really excited about the future. And it's just overall very fun to see an Orioles lineup with Kowser, Westberg, Gunner, Adley, and just kind of go like, wow, it, it it's working. Like, they're here. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, so many years of looking towards the future and saying one day it's going to be Kowser and... This guy and that guy and this guy and that guy. Yeah. Uh, and now the day has come. And you could still do that, which is the crazy thing. I mean, you're still saying Heston Kerstad's going to be there and Connor Norby's going to be in that infield. Uh, and so many other guys are going to make their debut. And this team is going to be set for so many years to come. Uh, and it's all because of the great draft style that uh, Mike Elias has put forth and the rest of that scout team. So uh, it's all come to fruition now and, and obviously still many years uh, left to play with these guys. Yeah, and as we look ahead to the number 17 pick in Sunday's draft, it's also a really big confidence thing, right? You look at the first round picks from the last bunch of years and they're pretty much all here. 
I mean, obviously, you know, Jackson Holiday is not in the major leagues yet. You drafted him a season ago. Heston Kerstad is mashing in AAA Norfolk. We could see him in the big leagues by year's end. And you have so many other picks that have turned out to be so successful that they are all making a push for the big leagues to the point where you have top 100 prospects like Joey Ortiz who can't find consistent playing time at the big league level, even though he is destroying AAA Norfolk pitching, displaying excellent defense, he can't even get playing time in the big leagues. And that just says something about how much talent is knocking on the door right now. It honestly feels like when you're playing a franchise mode and you get too many good prospects and it feels unrealistic and you stop playing. Yeah. You're like, I, this would never happen. Yeah. I just, I don't feel good about this. My conscience, I can't, like, it just wouldn't happen. It's unrealistic. Like, that's how this Orioles farm system feels right now with how much talent is just overflowing and how many guys you're looking at. Like you mentioned, Joey Ortiz, who would be a top prospect for so many teams yeah. and would be somebody the fans are just clamoring over and can't wait to see. And Orioles fans are happy to see him, too, every time he's up. But they've also got Jordan Westberg and so many other uh, infield prospects that are as good, if not better. Yeah, and at this point... We are still without at the big league level. Grayson Rodriguez, Heston Kerstad, Connor Norby, Joey Ortiz. All four of those guys could be making impacts in the big leagues this year. But let's talk about the kind of roster crunch here at the big league level that is going to continue to occur. There was a great article by Rockabaca this morning on MassInSports.com where Brandon Hyde last night essentially said, like, yeah, I have to think about these lineups for a while because there are 13 position players who are all worthy of playing time, all want to play, all are showing indications that they should be in your lineup day in and day out, and you can only have nine guys out there. Which is, again, a good problem to have, but when you start to look at Colton Kowser and his potential outlook for how many starts he could get, Jordan Westberg, same way, right now Kowser is getting playing time, as we mentioned, because Austin Hayes is dealing with an injury, so it is pretty easy to just plug and play Colton Kowser in left field. But even then, how many ABs is Aaron Hicks going to get? Aaron yep. Hicks has been excellent over the last few weeks. Does that bump Ryan O'Hearn out of a potential corner outfield DH spot? Once Austin Hayes is healthy, once Ryan Mountcastle is back up in the big leagues, there is going to be a real competition for playing time because you have some unexpected contributors in Aaron Hicks and Ryan O'Hearn. You have guys like Colton Kowser and Jordan Westberg that are such good prospects that you want them to get pretty much close to everyday reps at the big league level. And I don't know how possible that's going to be given the talent on this team right now. I mean, it's a good problem to have. It's a great problem. And yeah. one that I think Baltimore is happy that they have and one I think they've been wanting to have for a long time. Right. Um, so obviously... There's really no solution other than solidifying your nine guys, but I just don't really think that this team is in the position to do that right now. And you just have to be happy with the surplus that you have. Because on the bench right now, you've guys you've got guys like Jorge Mateo and Ramon Urias who are incredible gloves and have bats as well. Uh, and just aren't getting any playing time. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. It is a problem, but a good one to have and one that doesn't necessarily require a solution either. Right. And we'll see at the trade deadline. I mean, maybe there's prospects that get moved for pitchers, whatever it may be. Injuries always happen. Trades always happen. These things tend to work themselves out 
whether there's slumps or something else. But right now, when you're looking at the lineup every day, it's hard to say outside of maybe Adley Rutschman, Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins, probably Anthony Santander as well, Gunnar Henderson. I would say those five are the players where you go, you need to be starting every single day. I think the other four spots are probably up for grabs day in and day out. Yeah, no, totally correct. Um, and if you get the kind of production out of Kowser and Westberg right now that you think you're going to get, maybe they creep towards that as well come the year's end. Um, and we'll see what happens when Austin Hayes comes back. Maybe we see Kowser go back down. Uh, but if those two guys rake, it's going to be really hard to deny them, especially when you're looking for a World Series this year. Yeah, I think Kowser is probably still here. I mean, Austin Hayes Likely, is yes. injured right now, not playing, but he's not on the injured list. Yeah. So the Orioles don't have to make a roster move once Austin Hayes is healthy enough to come back. They will have to make a roster move once Ryan Mountcastle is yeah. healthy enough to come back, who is rehabbing in AAA Norfolk right now. Not sure if they are going to make a roster move it's before be really the All-Star break. It's going to be super interesting. They might hold off on calling Ryan Mountcastle back up until after the All-Star break just to give him a little bit more time. But then you're really looking at a crunch because do you I mean, do you move Ryan O'Hearn? Do you move Aaron Hicks? You can't who have move Ryan Right, you can't. They've both been playing the name too well for Jorge you right Mateo. now. Maybe Jorge Mateo. And I don't really see them sending him down. No, they're, but they are going to have a really tough decision to make once Ryan Mountcastle is is ready to go back up at the big league level. I have no idea what they're going to do. No clue. Good thing I don't have to make that decision. Yeah, it's it's going to be a difficult decision. The four guys who are not going anywhere are the four Orioles All-Stars. The only place they're going is Seattle. Let's talk about them. Adley Rutschman, Felix Bautista, Yenier Cano, Austin Hayes. We'll start with Adley. He was a lock. Uh, there was... Hope The hope that Adley would be the all-star starter at catcher. Jonah Heim beats him out in the second stage of voting, which, by the way, I don't know why the votes don't carry over from the first stage of voting. I get that those are the two top guys, but all the people who voted for Adley Rutschman in the first phase of voting, like those votes got him there, but then they don't carry over into the second phase. I didn't create the voting, all right? No, I'm yelling at you specifically. This is Uh, your fault. I don't. I don't, I get it. I mean, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Dumb. But Adley Rutschman is still going to be there. It's really cool. Seattle is the closest ballpark to his hometown. He's also going to be participating in the Home Run Derby, which is awesome. His yeah. dad is going to be throwing to him. It's going to be so much fun. He's one of the future faces of baseball, if not one of the faces of baseball already. It's going to be really cool. I love how much of a violent swing he has. Like, he kills the ball every yeah. single time. He it's hits. like a every part of his body moves when he swings. It's kind of like a Bryce Harper yeah, sort no, of totally. thing Absolutely. where it's just like everything works. And yeah, cool. I think he said he's going to go lefty first, but I wonder if he tries the right side. Yeah, I mean, at least at the big league level right now, he has had some more pop from the left side. He did, from the right side, he did put one over the left field wall. He did, which... That's it's not easy nowadays. I think the other lock was Felix Bautista. There's sure. a solid case to be made that he is the best closer in baseball right now. I, I was looking at the numbers. I don't think that's a crazy take. No. I mean, I think you could say, too, that he's probably the most dominant 
pitcher in baseball. I think if you took a poll of all the MLB players like the Athletic does sometimes, yeah. and you said who's the guy that scares you the most coming out of the bullpen, I bet you Felix would be up there. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of the utter dominance of Felix well, Batista. I mean, too. he strikes out, what, like 19 batters per nine Something innings right like now? That, yeah. That's insane. He's a massive human being. Yeah. And he throws like 103 and then has a splitter that drops off the table. Like, he's unhittable. Yeah. Really. I mean, the guy is just ridiculously good. Yeah, and the ERA and whip numbers would, would go towards that statement, as the strikeout numbers would as well. I want to talk about the other two selections, which were a little bit more surprising. They were well-earned, but still a little bit more surprising. The first one being Yenir Cano. Simply because... Setup men don't typically get that much love when it comes to all-star voting. We know how dominant Yenir Cano has been. He's been an incredible story in Baltimore. Comes over in the Jorge Lopez trade last year. Had been a not a good major league reliever over the last few seasons. 11.50 ERA 11 last year? 11.50 ERA, which is it's bad. It's Very. not good. Fixes some things and then just comes out and dominates this season. I was a little bit surprised that he got the nod simply because he doesn't have the save numbers. But again, incredibly well-deserved given how good he has been this year. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he there was a quote where he said, I knew I could be good, but I didn't think I'd be an all-star or something along those lines. Yeah. Um, and he has been filthy this season. Um, I mean, what a story. What a comeback for Yenir Cano, going from a guy who I think a lot of people were scratching their heads when they saw him on the spring training roster, uh, and then to be the best reliever in baseball for a couple of months. That's just nuts. I don't think even he expected that. Uh, so another guy, like you said, very, very well-deserved, but one that came out of left field, uh, and one that is surprising because he's just a setup guy. Uh, and there's only four relievers for the AL. Yeah. And two of them are from Baltimore. Like, that's a testament. Yeah. to this organization. So uh, I think Mike Elias and the rest of the crew are pretty happy about that one. And as much as we wish that Adley Rutschman was starting the All-Star game in Seattle, as the backup catcher here, he might end up catching Yenir cool. Cano and Felix really Bautista cool. in the later innings of this game, which would be cherry on top, the yeah. All-Star game. The guy I want to spend the most time here talking about is Austin Hayes. Because we have said it before, but we came into this season with Austin Hayes on a little bit of a hot seat because we saw the talent at AAA Norfolk, guys like Colton Kowser, who we were looking at and saying, hey, you know what? If Austin Hayes has a first half of 2023 like he had the second half of 2022, then maybe Kowser starts eating away at Austin Hayes' playing time. Maybe... You know, at the time, obviously, Kyle Stowers was healthy. So maybe Kyle Stowers would be getting more starts over Austin Hayes. But it became apparent that Austin Hayes' struggles from the second half of last season were because of the injury that he was trying to fight through and play through. And in 2023, we are seeing a pretty much fully healthy Austin Hayes. Obviously, you know, he has not played the last few days here, hoping that he this is just a quick thing and he'll be back and, and good to go. We are seeing a healthy Austin Hayes, and we are seeing what a healthy Austin Hayes is capable of, and that is an all-star level player, and that's really, really cool given how much he has struggled with injuries over the last few seasons, staying on the field, given 
kind of the narrative around Hayes this offseason to come out in 2023 and have this kind of year is spectacular. I didn't come into this season thinking he had, he'd have an argument uh, for being one of the best hitters in the AL. I mean, the guy's yeah. close to a batting title right now, if not still in line for it. Um, he has just been everything that this lineup has needed, that this team has needed. Austin Hayes has been one of the loudest bats in the lineup. And I just don't really think anybody expected that to be the case. Uh, Kevin Brown had a great tweet when these four guys made the All-Star game, basically uh, painting the picture that it was a lot of hard work and dedication that got them there, and nobody yeah. had an easy road. Uh, it was Adley Rutschman had a really struggled in his freshman year of college and his first year on the Cape. Felix Bautista didn't make the majors until he was, what, six years into his career? Yeah, he spent... Six years, I believe, at the either a complex league yeah. or in, in low A. And then Yenyer Cano with that 11.50 ERA last year. And Austin Hayes battling through injuries for the entirety beginning of his career. Right. And then coming to this point and playing up to the potential that I think we all knew he had, uh, but maybe didn't expect him to reach. So Austin Hayes, I mean, he has been absolutely fantastic this year. Uh, and a guy that I don't think... If the Orioles didn't have him, they'd be in this position. Yeah, and you know it's funny. I watched that the great video of Brandon yeah, Hyde awesome. telling the team who made the All Star game, and just the eruption for Austin Hayes because everybody knew how hard he works, how well deserved it was. Like if you didn't get a little bit emotional watching everybody just like freak out Gotta when they learned that Austin face, Hayes man. made the All Star game was really cool. The other really cool thing about this, for me, looking at the Orioles' all-star roster here, is that I think this really signals a turning point for this team. The winning this year obviously has. The Orioles are firmly past their rebuild. When you look at the last four seasons, I think this is the first time since 2017 that the Orioles have had more than one representative. 16. 2016, that the Orioles have had more than one representative at the All-Star game. Last year, you saw a bit of a turning point where the Orioles were winning more games at the big league level. But even last year, your only All-Star representative was Jorge Lopez, who was dealt at the deadline. And now you have Adley Rutschman, Felix Bautista, Yenier Cano, Austin Hayes, who are all not just not going anywhere at the trade deadline, but seem to be foundational pieces for the winning that is going to occur at the big league level moving forward. And you haven't been able to say that for the last bunch of years. The last Orioles All-Stars were Jorge Lopez, Cedric Mullins, John Means, Manny Machado, Jonathan Scope. Mullins and Means are the only ones that are still here out of that group. And now you have four All-Stars who are all going to be with this team moving forward. That's huge. They've built a core. I mean, right. it hasn't been been a long. It's been a long time since you've looked at Baltimore and said, "Wow, they have a young core that's going to carry them for a long time." And I think that they're starting to attract eyes from everybody else, and everyone's saying, "Oh my gosh, look what's going on in Baltimore yeah. right now." They have they have mastered the rebuild. I mean, nobody's done it like they have. I can't remember the last team that has built a farm system and hit on so many prospects and gotten so many guys to the point. I mean, there are so many players that are drafted with such high expectations that don't come anywhere near them. Yeah. For the Orioles to have drafted guys who some people probably haven't heard of and for them to rise to the levels that they have is so 
just incredibly impressive. I mean, a brilliant, brilliant job from the front office to build this team into what it is uh, and to build it to where Orioles fans should be really excited for the years to come because they're going to have a team that's going to compete, at least is going to compete for the next however many seasons. So they've done a great job, and these four All-Stars are a testament to that. Yeah, and Bones, that is just an excellent segue here as we talk about the MLB draft on Sunday. That's why they pay me the big bucks. This is how the Orioles have built their young core. Because when you look at the lineup yesterday with Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson, Jordan Westberg, Colton Kowser, not only are those young, talented players, those are young, talented players that the Orioles drafted, developed, have brought up through the system, and are now making an impact at the big league level. Let's talk about this number 17 pick on Sunday. We're wrapping things up. Over the last few weeks here, we have tossed out potential names that we could see at number 17. We've talked about the Orioles draft philosophies. We're going to try to bring it all together here and give our predictions for who we think the Orioles are going to take. But first, I want to start with a bit of a mock draft roundup sure. from around baseball. What we have been reading and seeing, uh, we'll start with Jim Callis of MLB Pipeline who in his latest mock draft had the Orioles selecting Hurston Waldrop, right-handed pitcher from Florida. We've talked about him a few times on this show. He also notes that it keeps coming back to the same candidates for the Orioles from what Jim Callis is hearing. And that is Hurston Waldrop, Arjun Namala, Aiden Miller, Blake Mitchell, Bryce Eldridge, Noah Shanwa. Yeah, I mean, all guys that we've talked Nolan, about. Nolan, excuse me. Nolan Shanwa. It's okay. I forgive you. Thank you. Um... Yeah, I mean, all guys we've talked about and all guys who have pretty high ceilings. Waldrip, the pitcher, of course. I mean, that guy, the SEC power arm with the great fastball and the great splitter is somebody I could definitely see in this draft. You've got Bryce Eldridge, who's the two-way guy out of high school, the outfielder with the 6-7-220 frame, uh, and the, the pitcher's arm in the outfield who can hit bombs. So many great players on that list. Um, there's so many places they can go. You just have to hope that those guys are available when they pick. Right. Um, which is going to be a doozy because this draft is filled with a lot of great talent. So that's where Jim Callis went. We'll go to Keith Law, the athletic, the much talked about Keith Law. He had the Orioles at number 17, selecting Arjun Namala, the high school shortstops. Keith Law noting that, quote, all the rumors here are bats, which may be to the chagrin of some Orioles fans. All the rumors here are bats, mostly high school, and notes that Namala and Bryce Eldridge are the two biggest names that he is hearing from the high school bat pool, and then Shanwell as well from the college ranks. That's where Keith Law went. He also said that the Orioles could go Noble Meyer if he is there. Noble Meyer okay. is the top prep pitching prospect in this That's draft class. Uh, well, that's how Meyer is is ranked. Well, Keith among, Law just told me it's all bats. Maybe not all bats. <laughs> Noble Meyer is the name that the Orioles could go, but he would have to fall to number 17 to get there. Noble Meyer usually mocked in the top 10. And notes as well that Michael Elias took Forrest Whitley at number 17 overall as the scouting director for the Astros at the time. I feel like a lot of the, the conversation... Um, from a lot of people is this guy's going to have to fall. That guy's going to have to fall. So maybe it's a maybe on draft night we're going to be sitting there like, all right, that's the guy that fell. It's probably that guy. 
if it's not that, he's going to pick somebody that's not on any of these lists. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that that's probably a higher percent chance than people think. Um, but you got to put your faith in the guy at this point. Right. Baseball prospect journal going with Braden Taylor, the third baseman from TCU. Okay. He is often mocked in the top 10. He would have to have a little bit of a slide to number 17. And then future stars series mocking Bryce Eldridge to the Orioles at number 17, a high school bat we have talked about a lot. We have heard about a lot. That notes that the Orioles are said to have, quote, really valued the skill set of Namala, Arjun Namala, the high school shortstop, and have also liked what they've seen from Taylor, being Braden Taylor, the third baseman from TCU, and Davis, who is Chase Davis, the outfielder from Arizona, and that a Baltimore also apparently really likes Michigan State infielder Mitch Jeb, who is ranked a little bit lower in these draft prospect rankings, but he would be a potential underslot signing so that the Orioles could sign somebody overslot later on in the draft. Okay. So Bryce Eldridge, the mock for future star series there. I like future star series. I'm with them. Yeah. So of the mocks there, we have heard Waldrop, Namala, Braden Taylor, Bryce Eldridge, with a lot of the conversation being around high school bats. I mean, I can't say I'm entirely surprised. No. Um, that's, that's, I think where you and I both thought this conversation around the Orioles 17th pick would go. Yeah. Um, because there's so much talent there in this draft. If this talent was, you know, the first 10 guys are all arms. I think maybe that's what we would be talking about, but that's just not the case here. Um, a, a lot of really, really good bats in this draft and a lot of guys, uh, who I think could be Orioles draft picks. Uh, but I still like Eldridge. I don't know about you. Yeah. Well, let's get into our personal picks here a little bit. Also did have a conversation with Brad Selick yesterday, which we'll be, we'll be getting out there today. Uh, he did note how much talent there was pitching-wise in this draft. Talked about some of the great pitchers that we saw in Omaha with True. Hurston Waldrop, of course, with Paul Skeens at the top of the draft. Rhett Lauder for Wake Forest, who you know, would be a, a great pick for the Orioles at 17 if if he were to fall. So the Orioles are at least considering pitchers from the conversation that we yeah. had with Brad Selick yesterday. Maybe that's a red herring. It, it could be because <laughs> the Orioles chess, man. have not selected a pitcher under the Michael Elias era here. I'm not sure if they're going to do it this year. If the right one falls, I do believe the hype with Noble Meyer from a conversation that I had with, with Joe Doyle from Future Star Series yesterday as well, he noted that Noble Meyer might have the upside of like a Grayson Rodriguez coming out of high school. So if Meyer is there at number 17, from what we have been reading and, and kind of hearing, maybe he would be a selection there. But I don't think they're going to reach on a pitcher just because the notion is that they could use another pitcher if there is a high school bat there or a well-established college bat that they really like. Noble Meyer sounds like a name the Orioles would go with. Like yeah, just good baseball name, name. Like Noble Meyer. It's a good baseball that name. sounds like a Baltimore Orioles prospect, if you ask me. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, I think a lot of Orioles fans would like to see them taken on. So uh, maybe they appease the fan base there, but at the same time, I don't think it's a huge deal. Well, Bones, you, you hinted at your potential selection here. I did. On this, our third and final draft preview show, Give us your prediction 
for who the Orioles will take at number 17. I like Arjun Namala. I really do. But I like Bryce Eldridge more. Okay. Bryce Eldridge, I mean, he's the exciting pick. He's 6'7", above 220. Like, this guy could be incredible. And I think this is the year in which... The Orioles could just say, why not? Let's take a shot on this kid from high school who mashes uh, and has a pitcher's arm in the outfield and could be an outfielder for us for so, so long. Also a guy at a younger age who you could wait on. You don't necessarily have the pressure of, all right, he's already 24, he's already 25. If we're going to get the best out of this kid, we're going to have to bring him up soon. Not necessarily the case with this guy. He could develop for a little bit longer, uh, and you could bring him up when he's ready. Uh, So Bryce Eldridge is going to be my pick. I don't think he's going to be a two-way player in the big leagues, but uh, having having an outfielder with a pitcher's arm, not too shabby. Yeah, I think Bryce Eldridge would be an excellent pick for the Orioles at number 17. Kind of a local kid. Not really. Goes to high school in Virginia, so kind of close by. Maybe he rooted for the Orioles growing up. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? He has some serious raw power and reminds me of a little bit of a a more raw, probably a higher ceiling Dylan Beavers from last year, who is a power-hitting corner outfielder. I think Eldridge has some more power, but, you know, similar frame. Dylan Beavers is a really big dude in the corner outfield, has an excellent arm, good defender there. Some scouts have given Eldridge double-plus raw power from the left side of the plate. I think he would be a great selection for the Orioles at number 17. Eldridge is one of the guys who is on my short list when I'm thinking of possibilities for the O's. My short list is Bryce Eldridge, Arjun Namala, Nolan Shanwell. We haven't talked about Shanwell too much on this show. I want to give him a shout out here. First baseman from FAU. His stat line is laugh out loud funny. Is it? Hit me. In 59 games this season, Shanwell had a slash line of 447, 615, 868. An on-base percentage of 615. That's insanity. An OPS of 1483. Wow. With 19 homers. And here's the most ridiculous stat line here. Again, in 59 games, he has struck out 14 times. Wow. That's crazy. And walked 71 times. This guy lives in the cage, dude. 71 walks and 14 strikeouts. So when you are looking at the prototypical Orioles draft pick, you would probably say, and we have heard from Brad Selick in the past, say college hitter, good power, good strikeout to walk ratio. How much do you put into competition? That's a question with Shanwell. But plays in conference I don't USA. Think I care if you're you still have to take the ball and, and he, swing at the strike. He did not have great numbers in the Cape Cod League, Who which cares? is really good competition. But he is probably the most prototypical Orioles draft pick that you are going to find in the first round. Has an unbelievable hit tool, pretty good raw power, and the plate discipline and swing decisions are off the charts. So he makes my shortlist of. Eldridge, Namala, Shanwell. My pick, my personal pick and my prediction, it's going to be Arjun Namala. The shortstop from Strawberry Crest High School. Again, all of the rumors surrounding this pick are Orioles high school bat. 
I think there's a pretty good chance that Namala and Eldridge are not there. They could be selected ahead of number 17, in which case I think they could go Shanwell or Mitch Jeb, infielder from Michigan State. But Namala just has a ton of upside, one of the youngest players in this draft. He's still going to be 17 when the draft rolls around on Sunday. He is super toolsy, very projectable. He has good raw power, has everything well. I'm not saying he is the the same caliber of prospect as Jackson Holiday, but he is similar to Jackson Holiday in the sense that when you look at his scouting grades, he doesn't have anything below a 50. Wow. So everything is solid across the board. Also, just a really cool story about yeah, how he was a, a hitter in cricket and didn't really start batsman. playing baseball. A batsman. Yeah, batsman in cricket. Didn't really start playing baseball until he was a freshman in high school in 2019, so he probably still has a lot of development to go. Very raw at this point, but the tools are there. The upside is there. Uh, one scout watched Namala this year and said he had the most impressive pregame combinations of infield practice and batting practice he had ever seen from a high school player. Hey, man, Tim Duncan thought he was going to be a swimmer. All right, Arjun Namala, <laughs> sure. he might have thought he was going to be a cricketer. But hey, this kid's a baseball player. Is it a cricketer? Yeah. A cricketeer? Nope, it's cricketer. Cricketer. Yep. It's I like way that. better word than cricketeer, I'll tell you that. <laughs> cricketeer sounds cool. <laughs> no, I like Namala too. Yeah. Uh, Namala is a really fun prospect and a guy that I also could see the Orioles taking on my short list as well. You've kind of convinced me on Nolan Shanuel, though. I really like him too. Yeah. Like these, those numbers those are nuts. numbers are insane. Like, that's crazy. 71 walks and 14 strikeouts in 51 games. That's like Honus Wagner numbers. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, I, again, I think it's going to be a game of who falls. And uh, if nobody falls, they're going to take somebody we've never heard of. Yeah. Um, but whatever they do, I'm excited to see it because Michael Elias has shown us that he's a man to be trusted when it comes to draft time. Right. Uh, so I'm pumped. And a comment on YouTube saying, look what the Orioles have done with high school bats. Why mess with something that's working and putting you in the playoff conversation? Exactly. Absolutely. I mean, you have I Jackson Holiday, number one prospect in baseball. You have Gunnar Henderson, high school bat, who is, I mean, an AL Rookie of the Year candidate at this point. So, yes, the Orioles have steered away from pitching. And, yes, it is a formula that has worked because True. they have been probably the most successful team in the draft over the last few seasons. Absolutely, 100%. I don't know if there's much of an argument to that. But we will be covering the draft on Sunday if you would like to come hang out with us. We'll probably be going live around pick 10, is my guess, in the MLB draft, but we will be taking you up to the Orioles selection at number 17. You want to stick around afterwards, too. We'll have an exclusive one-on-one -on -one with Michael Elias pretty quickly after the pick is made on our live show on Sunday. So make sure you're tuning in on Facebook, on YouTube, we will be live. Mass and all access for the Orioles draft pick on Sunday. That's going to do it here for this episode of the Bird's Nest. We will also be back on Sunday night after the draft. We will break down the Orioles selection at number 17. By that time, too, there might be some picks that the Orioles have made in their compensatory rounds, in the second round. We're going to be breaking down the Orioles draft picks on Sunday night. Make sure you are hanging out with us here on Mass and all access all day long, we will have you covered. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Big thank you to Amy Jennings behind the scenes. He is Matt Bonaparte. I am Brendan Mortensen. We'll see you on Sunday.